another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I am your host, Michael Chenitz, and I have my guest, Aisha, here again, and this is her second time on the show, and thank you for coming twice I'm now. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, yes, I'm a regular <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's, it's coming to be a regular thing. It's great. But today, I'm, I'm really enjoying this because we're talking about something that is... Um, you know, that, that I like to talk about, which is security, but not just security, really container security. And it's such a big topic. And when you think about it in the scheme of things, it really is something that people have to take more seriously. I feel like people are in some respects, but in other respects, the way that they go about it, the way that they track it, the way that they're kind of reactive versus proactive, all of those things makes it so that you know, they say they're interested in it and they're, they want, the intent is there. I shouldn't say the intent is always there, but maybe the way that people are putting the, I don't know how to say it, so how that people are going about it um, really needs to change in this environment. Is that, is that kind of, I don't know if that's, that's, that's a good starting summation there. Definitely. I couldn't agree <laughs> more. It's my ears. Exactly. I like the fact that you're saying, Mike, that people are aware. People yeah. are paying attention. They also know that it takes ample expertise, capital, time to uh, make sure that the containers are safe, uh, secure. But we have been, we have, I have numbers to uh, to <laughs> prove that the effort uh, doesn't match the results. Yeah, so you have the data, you have the raw data, which is awesome. So talking about that, you guys have just done a container report. So tell us a little bit about what that is and what it contains. So there's some tradition to it. Uh, I've okay. been for a while with my team right now. So the first report, our, our report was back in 2021. So we have this like annual thing going on. Um, in 2022, I was a keynote speaker at KubeCon. Um, and I got to share the 2022 report results there. And uh, last week, we released the third annual Slim AI container report to look into the state of the art, what's going on in the industry. And this year specifically, we um, partnered with Enterprise Strategy Group, uh, a well-known institution that does um, these technology surveys really well globally. So we surveyed security leaders from mid to large organizations and try to understand the human aspect of things. Uh, my data science team uh, and I, we, we have we've been collecting this data. Slim AI uh, has been scanning all these containers, public and private, uh, millions of them in, any, in, in a given year. So we can see the data behind the scenes, but this year we have matched it to the, the human responses, the people who are actually fighting in the war, <laughs> if you will, the battle. And I will say that the survey matches what we are seeing uh, behind the scenes, that the, the struggle is definitely real. So what is the type of stuff that you look at in, in these surveys? So uh, as I said, there are, the two, there are two, two types of things, the, the survey and, and the raw data. Uh, the raw data is mostly container scans. We do x-rays on these containers. We decompose these containers and try to understand what files, packages, special permissions, licenses, um, what have you in, in these containers. The survey aspect is, uh, and we can 
go ahead and look into the report itself. But the, in the in the survey, we ask questions around um, how they are dealing with the complexities, the challenges of the software supply chain. We ask questions around the vendor consumer dynamic. So everybody is defining themselves. And this is across the industry. This is not just the technology industry. Every company is a software company, which is like you know a well-known fact right now. So some of our customers, some of the people that we surveyed, obviously are in the technology sector. About uh, one in third, um, one in three. But um, we have surveyed regulated industries. Um, we have surveyed tech, the healthcare, uh, insurance. Um, finance, transportation industries, and everybody is saying that they're either consuming software in containers from vendors or they're producing these for their consumers. And we ask questions around how many containers, what cadence, how many vendors you're dealing with, how do you communicate with these vendors when there are vulnerabilities in these containers, what's the effectiveness of it, the false positive rates, you know how accurate these alerts are. They're obviously there's a they're inundated with these alerts, but how many of them are true positives? We ask questions around um, the the open source, the commercial uh, division of these. We basically try to understand the third party containerized application um, ecosystem to understand understand what is going on upstream as well as downstream. So if we if we look at the report a little bit, and I'll, I'm just going to bring it up. So for those of you that are listening to this on a podcast, you obviously can't see it. But for those of you who are listening on YouTube on, on the video, you could follow along on screen, which is awesome. So what, so what have we found out? This is the Container Report 2023. What have we found out this year um, that's of interest, like high level? Right. We can we can quickly go over the the key findings here. The key findings can give us that high level overview, the executive summary, if you will. Sure. The first the, the first thing is like and, and you know maybe we can quickly go over uh, what we have found. We have uh, four, five, six um, high level insights here, but we can go into the numbers behind the scenes too, right? So the first thing that we said is that the struggle is real. We quantified um, how. Uh, security leaders are feeling about achieving their vulnerability remediation goals. Are they feeling reactive or proactive? And we can go into the visuals of that for in a second. Then we went into, as I said, the uh, the communication aspect of things, consumer producer dynamics. Uh, we have we, we said the spreadsheet must die. <laughs> so there's that that uh, the, the the reliance on that inefficient. Um, uh, inefficient uh, dynamics of communication, the alert fatigue, the false positives, their rates. And then we looked into the regulatory pressure. Uh, how is that affecting these teams across these industries? And ultimately, we said the real cost of all of this, right? You expect it's going to be about reputation, data loss, compliance. But at the end of the day, the big hit is on the performance. 46% of the organizations said it is affecting their team dynamics, their innovation, their competitive uh, advantage in, in, in the industry, um, downtime, like, right? That, that, that's, that's the big deal here. Wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. You, know, you, don't, you don't really think about that. But as you're actually talking about this, one of the other things that I was thinking about too, 
and it is really, you know, unfortunately, we're in a tech economic kind of downturn, I think, in some respects. And, you know, as people are being let go at these organizations, you know, how does that affect, you know, vulnerability management? Because sometimes those are the things that fall through the cracks when things like that occur. That, that, that's such a good point. <laughs> so people dedicate specialized forces to the separate. You were, we were just talking about how organizations take this seriously, right? So one of the findings in the survey was that like, how many, how many full-time equivalents like people, employees you have, you dedicate to vulnerability remediation alone? This is a very, um, this is a very technical, technically hard problem. It is not like you can give this to um, uh, a couple interns, right? You have to have these high tech experts. And, and one, in qu one quarter of the organizations we surveyed said that they're employing uh, 10 plus full-time specialists to vulnerability remediation alone, right? So that, like humans, I know that we are in this, and I, like I, I am a data scientist, I love AI, we talk about AI automation all the time, but the numbers says that this is still um, a very human-centric effort. Which is really interesting because when you think about stuff that is really primed for AI and for automation, you know, it's stuff that you can do repeatedly. So if there's sources of information, you can grab that information. If there is, and I'm, a, I'm an orchestrator and automator. That's what I like to automate everything away. That's just me. I've, I'm a scripter. I've done this stuff for years. Anything that I can be automated will be automated, but not everybody's like that. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's interesting in this day and age that that's still the case because we have so many streams of information. We have so many ways of orchestrating these things. We have so many ways of of communicating through APIs to these, um, you know, different repos and and to our uh, CI/CD, you know, frameworks and things like that. That you know, it doesn't even make sense that this wouldn't be a more automated thing at this point. I mean, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I would be so lazy if I can automate the, the, something that I can do in three hours in, you know, a day. <laughs> I would totally go with the automation flow. I like automation as well. But if you think about the nature of what's going on, right, I am shipping. So maybe we, we should look at the, the, the collaboration aspect of this, skipping a couple things here. This is show, like, you know, the people, this, like, there, is, there is this marketplace of containerized software, software right? So people are trading uh, containers and sharing risk all the time. And, and there is, I think that this is why automation is, um, is a little elusive in the process. We don't have a centralized place between all these payers, the software uh, vendors and consumers, that they can actually automate things away and maybe uh, transfer the learnings from one payer to the other. Right, everything is done in isolation. So we were just talking about like, just to define things, right? Uh, we asked our survey uh, respondents. We said, do you primarily identify as a software producer or consumer or both? Thirty-four percent said both. Twenty-three uh, percent said we are producing software. Forty-two percent said we are uh, consuming some software from others. And then we said, how many containers do you deploy from these vendors, from producers, in a typical month? And you can see that like, this is like 50, 100, 200 and more containers. This is just a given month. 
And for each and every one of these containers, you need to go in and look into, it's, it's a very complex thing to understand what's going on underneath. Although, um, you know, we, we think of containers as this like simple atomic unit of shipping software, uh, very few people <laughs> can really decode what's going on. And we are not talking about a single container, we are talking about hundreds of containers that are coming to your organization from dozens of software vendors. So 73% of organizations said they work with more than 10, uh, 10 uh, software producers in a typical month. So it's like, it is, I think, this aspect of not having that centralized location to uh, make sure that this co communication happens properly. That is one of the most important uh, barriers into going to, into automation workflow. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, uh, for, for me, I'm thinking of it very simplistic. I'm thinking of it that, you know, hey, you have a container, it has layers, it has all these different areas. You're looking at the packages inside. You're trying to figure out if those packages have any vulnerabilities, um, you know. But if you, you're right, if you don't have a central spot to do that, then how do you do that? And how do you orchestrate that? So, you know, that's 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 the key yeah. there. Yeah, at scale. You know, I sometimes joke about this ice cream analogy. Like, you know, if, um, if I, you know, ask you to buy me a pint of ice cream, that's one thing. But if I ask you to buy me uh, 20 million of them, right, <laughs> by uh, uh, next uh, Monday without melting, without letting any one of those pins melt, that's a different problem. So scale yes. is everything. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I totally agree. Attacking a single container, trying to get the vulnerabilities done. Although I'll say, um, I have this, um, I, I lead the rapid prototyping efforts in my company. I have a, a an engineering team that looks into uh, these, like you know, getting to zero effective vulnerabilities in containers. <clears throat> and I'll say that even for smaller applications, we have an AI team. Uh, chats like we have an ask ai element in our products and the containers underneath that it is not a huge application but getting to zero effective vulnerabilities even for those containers um is 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 not easy for the non-expert or or um you know uh, the, the non-container experts so would you say uh, i'm gonna ask yeah i'm gonna ask it this way would you say that it is easier to take a hold of your vulnerabilities for the as a software producer than as a consumer. So producers are better at looking into I'm this? asking if, if it's, yeah, are, are the, is it easier to take like a stranglehold over your vulnerabilities as a producer of your software and containers? Than, I mean, you are the um, one creating, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> The, the consumer is interested in the functionality at the end of the day. They just want to um, outsource the, the, the functionality that's not core to their business, uh, to, to their value proposition. And, um, you know, if I, I was a consumer, I wouldn't be interested in the, the details of the code, right? I, I'm, I'm looking into making things faster, easier, better, when I work with these vendors and getting a, a, a container shipped to you with all these, like it's not a one-time thing, obviously there's a cadence to it. Software is a living, uh, breeding organism. So it, they, they keep updating it. And as a consumer getting all of this, then scanning it myself, right there, oh, there's a, you know this better than me, but there, there's a, 
uh, 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 tons of scanners out there. Somebody is scanning with, you know, the scanner XYZ, other, uh, others are doing it with different things. And then they come to the table discussing this. It's not fun. It's definitely not fun for a consumer who is not uh, in control of or not interested in the details of the code that's being shipped to them. But for the producer, obviously, because they are the creators, they can go back to the logic, uh, try to get to um, the packages that are needed uh, only versus everything else that has been put into the container during the development process where the developers are basically having fun. <laughs> They're just like downloading everything, like no, not cleaning things up because there's a sense of urgency for, to ship for them too, right? They, they, yeah. The consumer is waiting. So they're yeah. just adding things in. And as soon as the thing is working, they stop thinking they stop. about <laughs> unnecessary, like I'm just going back and saying that, that all of these, you know what, the 90% of the packages in this container, we didn't really need them. They, they, they never really go back and clean things yeah well that's you know that's the nature also of you know pretty much linux environments too is that you know when you're installing something through a package manager you're just accepting that hey these people have packaged this up the right way and you're not saying why is this needed why why you know maybe some of these pieces are are optional and actually it's funny because if you were to like compile that same piece of software from scratch there's actually a lot more options. Like you might need SSL or you might not need SSL or you might need, you know, so depending on what it is that you're doing, you know, you're kind of just accepting that. And with, with accepting that, you're also accepting the risks of all those packages that are yeah. kind of coming along with that. And and back to your question, like that inheritance that you're talking about, Mike, right? 67% of the um, respondents said they're inheriting this attack surface. So, wow. so Right, they're like they're they're just like we have just too many container images, the external images, and it is increasing our attack surface. And uh, 63% said getting containers from these third party producers make it um, more difficult to triage vulnerabilities. Like, even in a large organization, like think Google scale, Microsoft, so like there are all these internal teams, there's that network complexity there as well. Your, your team just uh, keeps getting these containers from other teams. But when it is an external organization to you, it's even harder. So internally, you can probably put pressure much easier. But everybody's saying that they're, they're increasing pressure um, on their vendors to establish and improve the vulnerability remediation SLAs. Um, but, but, but this is, yeah, this is, uh, this is not easy for, for, medium a medium-sized company if they're working with you know 10 plus producers making sure that they comply with your SLAs uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge so when you go back to being a consumer and you're just relying on your vendor or, or the producer of the, of the container or software what you know how do how do how are companies going about ensuring that are they just trusting the vendor or are they just you know, how are they, how are they trying to figure out a method of trust, you know? So <laughs> I'm just going to bring this up. Well, so I, I get that. I, I get a hundred containers from 10 vendors this month. Right. And yeah. um, it's changing. They, they updated uh, with, with new functionality, which is great. Uh, it's making you faster. 
um, and the software probably more dependable, more functional and whatnot. But the way that they communicate, <laughs> so I get this, uh, they send the containers, the application, um, uh, with some scan results, if that's in your uh, agreement, right? And they might say, we have X many criticals, this many vulnerabilities, and for each and every one of them. So what happens is that there's a list of vulnerabilities that you need to look into, right? Some of these are critical and high. You have different uh, windows for them. You can say, like, you know, maybe most companies says, if there's a critical uh, vulnerability that you're shipping to me, it needs to be uh, fixed in the next 15 days, sometimes right away, for me to deploy this to production. For medium low level ones, there is probably a longer time frame. There are sometimes compensating controls. Your vendor might say, if you have this and that, you know, this kind of a, a, a network with uh, firewalls and whatnot, this critical incident is not necessarily a real incident. Um, but but it all happens in a spreadsheet, in an ad hoc meeting, or in an email. So our most um, critical software vulnerabilities might as well be broadcasted. And I, you know, the security aspect is one thing, but this is extremely inefficient. So that 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 spreadsheet has all these vulnerabilities, sometimes hundreds of them, sometimes thousands of them. And what happens is that, like, you know, um, that, that spreadsheets start flying back and forth. Yeah, so you go in and you say, this scanner that you used, we are not using that. Our scanner actually found a lot more or there's an intersection, but we don't find some of yours. You don't see some of ours. So there's that negotiation that starts, Mike. It's just so painful just even to describe. <laughs> so that negotiation uh, is just about prioritizing what's important. We have, haven't even started fixing the vulnerabilities yet. Then, then they agree on a list of vulnerabilities. Now they need to say, okay, this is how I'm going to fix this. Or this X vulnerability, it's, and a, a, a false positive, right? Then there is that agreement. And then ultimately they say, we are going to fix this set in this time frame, and here is how we go about that. And both sides agree, and the work starts. And that's if it's yeah. a commercial product or a commercial, but if it's open source, obviously that could be a totally different time frame. You have to work with committees, you have to work with other... And sometimes it's better. I mean, open source can be better. I mean, honestly, you have more people looking at it. Uh, and a lot of times they're they're on it much faster than some of these orgs that only have a few people, you know, some of these commercial products that only have a few people look at. So I'm not saying it's worse or better, but it's just different, you know, in the way that you would probably communicate that. Yeah, the, 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 the accountability is different. <laughs> like, you know, you, you might have maybe you might push your vendor a little bit more. Um, there is that deal not closing, <laughs> that yeah. sense of urgency, yep. right? Um, doesn't mean that, again, again like open source can, the, the, the maintainers of open source software are just so, so good. Yeah. You know, there's, there's that that piece that we need to definitely acknowledge. But you might, as a, as a consumer, you might feel less control over um, the, the third party to take action, um, to take care, to, 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 think about your specific issue versus somebody else's. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, money does talk on this in this situation. So if you're a bigger company and you are saying, hey, I'm going to spend a lot of money on your software, then that's probably going to, they're probably going to look at those vulnerabilities pretty quickly, I would say. 
Yeah. You know. And there's no such thing as like you know, there's not a lot of well, like vendor scores and you you comparing these vendors that you work with and you cannot go and say, hey, you vendor X, we're working with 20 others and you are uh, missing uh, like you know you 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 do not comply with any one of our SLAs and you're so behind. There's not that kind of gamification behind the scenes as well. So yeah, it's. I keep so, saying so, challenging, but it's challenging for the consumer. So it sounds like there's a need for a new product called like a vulnerability communication system where everybody could like upload their vulnerabilities in a secure channel, could compare them and could rate different companies. That sounds like it would be a yeah. good. <laughs> exactly. That We actually asked that question. We said um, like that, that was a strong call for a centralized collaboration platform, just dedicated to decision-making, right? Yeah. So people are saying that there's this, um, like, we need to automate the vulnerability tracking, right? It is one release after the other. The release cadence is like, now you're sending me these new um, versions of the containers in the application that that you that I bought from you, maybe every 15 days, maybe, maybe it's every quarter. But like being able to track things down, see the vulnerability burn down charts. There's also one other thing, like you, know, you, you the, the teams, maybe your producer might be working so hard on decreasing the vulnerabilities, but the top level numbers might be just stable, right? It's just still 1,000 vulnerabilities. And you're like, no, you sent me 1,000 vulnerabilities before as well. And the, the vendor might say, you know what? I have actually removed everything, but there were 2,000 new ones that are coming in. <laughs> so without seeing what's old, what's new, what's like, you know, the, the influx, you might not necessarily understand the, put, the, the, the effort that has been put in to, to keep the exact same number at place too, right? So yeah, the, the, the producer definitely needs to show the effort that they are putting in versus what's happening out there. Because people, I, I'm sure you're, you're aware if you go to these vulnerability, um, like public vulnerability databases, the numbers inc increase significantly too. There are a lot of more security researchers. AI is finding vulnerabilities. So the CVEs are on the rise. No matter what you do, you will see that um, the same application is is getting more more CVEs just because of the nature of how, how these databases are growing. But it also sounds like we need a better way to like rate vendors because when you think about it, like okay, well, I have GitHub dependency dependency bot, and I have you know whatever whatever it may be. Each one maybe is like a Bayesian theory where you're like, you know, you're just giving them analytically a little bit more, you know, points that will lead up to, to something that says, okay, well, this vendor has an 87 and this vendor has a 98 or, you know, so that way there's some point of reference for organizations to try and figure out like, Hey, they're really on top of these things or no, they're, they're at a 50%. Maybe we shouldn't, you know. And how they're evolving over time, right? Maybe yeah. they started at the, at the yeah. thing that's maybe not that acceptable, but when you push, when others push, especially when, multiple companies push against a producer, then that becomes a, a, a priority for them, as opposed to just shipping the functionality. Then security safety becomes a bigger problem for them because it's a cluster of important customers asking for it. So, so what's the answer? What's the answer to all this? What, what, what can people do better? How, how should people be thinking about this? Well, I think that the, the thinking should shift from this like fragmented vulnerability management to a more unified approach. 
I, but the numbers that I see definitely call for a paradigm shift because we already said, right, like we said the struggle is real, but organizations are already dedicating significant resources. It's not just more time. It's not more spend, more tools. It's not more specialized teams because what right, the, the, the success of the industry looks exactly like this, right? When we said, how do you describe your ability to establish uh, and, and maintain service level objectives for vulnerable to remediation? Again, these, these are companies that are very um, security conscious and we can look at the methodology in a bit, but you'll see that everybody cares a lot about the vulnerability efforts in their organizations, but they say like only 12% said they're successful. Wow. Despite all the effort. So this 38%, the exact wording of it, I love this one. They said they had moments of success, but there is significant room for improvement. This is not right. Like, you know, when, you know, and 50% said we are greatly struggling, right, despite all of the resources that we have wow. today. So this is definitely an uphill battle. People are feeling behind the curve all the time. And they're feeling that their efforts are mostly reactive. So they're not feeling that the, 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 the efforts that they're putting in is, is not, like it's not even like, you know, um, on par with the influx. They keep saying that everything that we do is reactive as opposed to proactive and, and, um, and, and, uh, and, and in front of the curve. That's, I mean, that's amazing. It really makes me think of a few things. One is that when I was an IT director, and this was many years ago now, <laughs> I feel old, uh, but when I was an IT director, um, <laughs> you know, people, it really wasn't as containerized. So they were just starting to be containerized, but we didn't have dedicated people that would just look at vulnerabilities. It was whoever the software engineers were or whoever the people that were working with the software vendors would work with those people. We, they, we, it wasn't dedicated. It was a piece of time. It was like, you know, okay, this person's dedicating, I don't know, 20% of their time to this effort. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting that I guess what we're seeing is that there are more dedicated people, but then you go back. And the other thought I have is that maybe there needs to be better education on actually how to do this and, and what kind of tools and how to, do, how to do this kind of stuff. Exactly. So this, um, again, I'm, I, I know that I keep going to the challenge, but otherwise, this is what you, you, you feel, right? So yeah. um, this, like, this, this, this piece here, again, very eye-opening to me. 36% um, of the organizations said they detect vulnerabilities in containers running in production. <laughs> this is running in production that require immediate attention on a daily basis, sometimes wow. multiple times a day, right? So... It's like your teams, again, these are specialized forces. They're highly technical. They can be working on this new feature, new innovative project that, that you have, but you keep pulling them daily uh, from their task, which requires deep thinking more often than not, right? To, to um, for sometimes for these false positive alerts, right? Because all these CVEs come in. And these are like in production environments, if this was in maybe uh, in, in, in your uh, development environment, you can delay these things. But this is something that needs to get somebody's attention right away. And then when you look into, we said alerts and more alerts, like, like it's very challenging for them to just deal with this. And it's, you know, more often than not, 
four antenna alerts, and this is not new. I've been creating these cybersecurity reports and the false positives have always been an issue, right? But the cadence of how you deal with these is a, is a little different in, in, in containerized software. Like everybody says, like most of the alerts are false positives, but we are being disrupted every day about these things. You know, and that's when you think about the nature of software development, too. I know when I used to do software development, I would get in a zone and I would just be thinking about it and I would be highly creative because I'm just iterating on whatever that is, that that feature and really thinking about it, looking at the code, trying to figure out the feature, trying to spec it out and kind of just being in that zone with my headphones on. Now you're being asked to kind of take your headphones off for a sec. Somebody's knocking and patting you on the shoulder and saying, hey, you got to take care of this vulnerability. You've just gotten out of your zone. It takes It's going to take time to get back into that again. And mm-hmm. your productivity has gone down tremendously. And it is not fun too, right? Like you know, working no. on this, it's just like, you know, it's, it's dreadful <laughs> at times. I'm, 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 I'm the same way. Like I'm a data scientist. I have my deep uh, thinking zones. But when something happens, like a critical vulnerability, um, it could be a, a true positive, right? You you need to just like you no know, stop whatever you you're doing right now and do it. And if it was you know once every few months, that's one thing. But we're talking about daily disruption here. Just yeah. unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's really the key. And 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 when when I think about the perfect world, what I want to see is that everybody has their part. You know, like like as a um, and, and this, we're, we're absolutely not here, but le- like repos have a certain way of, of scanning whatever containers you have, but the information that you exchange has to be standardized because if we don't get to that, then it's just going to be everybody sending things in the way that they want to send it and what they want to see. And nobody's agreeing on that contract of what to send and what to see. And, and honestly, we have to get to a better place for, for supply chain security where, People do agree upon this. I mean, there there are formats. I'll agree with that. But there's four different standards, and you know, and everybody's kind of sending things in different ways, and it becomes a real hassle. So we have to get to a point where where you know, an apple is an apple, no matter what. And if we have three apples on one place, that's that's equivalent to three apples in another place. And just because they're smaller apples or bigger apples shouldn't matter, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, just and and that's because that's even. That's the beginning of the effort, right? You can't even agree on what needs to be fixed, which yeah. is really frustrating. And especially, yes. like, you know, it's, it's, it's happening on a spreadsheet. Somebody is commenting. And like, how do we track all of these things, right? I don't accept. And one customer says, yes, this is okay for, with us. The other customer says it's not really. And then you don't necessarily have a way um, to create a, a, a flow where it's almost like, like, you know, think about all of this effort being centralized so that you can even create a recommender engine. Like most of our, 75% of our customers says, given these compensating controls, this CVE doesn't really matter. That's why we made the decision to um, not focus on this. Customer, your job is to make sure that these things are in your environment. Otherwise, you need to fix these other things. And this learning is transferable to the next customer, the next customer. Then it's a whole different effort. Then, you know, one customer says this, this other customer says this, other customers, they don't, they ignore. But when there's a breach, they they will definitely come back at you with the auditors. Because you were talking about the the pressure of the the regulation as well, right? It's like... 
this is something that we ask as well. Like there are all these executive orders, governments, customers, all of them are demanding a world with zero vulnerabilities. And um, and you know, one in three of our respondents said the evolving uh, guidance uh, is is a top challenge in their organization. So there's just understanding those and, and, and coming up with the, the work streams, significantly extra, significant extra work. Like 53% of the, the companies that we asked said the executive order um, is is uh, is affecting them. And to be honest, like the, the rest are most of, like a lot of them are European companies that said like about 30% of the companies they, in, in, in Europe uh, said executive order affected and not affecting them for obvious reasons. Like, you know, they are not in that geography, but there are other orders, there are other um, regulations that affect their geography. Yeah, no, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a tough thing. I mean, even when you think about internal politics, you know, not, you have several teams that bigger the organization you go, you go to, they have various teams that work on things and they don't always communicate, obviously. And so they have, they all have their own CICD pipelines. They all have their own container ecosystems. They all have their own software they work on. They have different ways of going about it. They have different policies. They have different logging, you know, so all of these things make it really difficult for organizations to kind of take a, take a stranglehold. I hate to say that, but a stranglehold of all everything that, that the, you know, that they want to, to understand because it's not a single environment. It's not a single system. It's not a single vendor. It's not, you know, and, and honestly, internal politics and external politics get in the way of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, um, like high, velocity, secure channels of communication, right? Our defenses are not just about um, the, the technology that we put in. It's also, it should be, we should fortify the, the security of our dialogue. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's as if um, the code is the only important, like at the end of the day, it's, it comes to the code, but how we agree on those things um, and, you know, that entire, um, zero effective vulnerabilities or zero vulnerabilities how to understand that right that that's um that's something that that we need to think more as an industry because like we, we these we are talking about um the the most brilliant brains you were just talking about how your like you know, deep thinking zone was precious to you right being able to um get the opportunity cost of like you know the the, the, the trade-off uh, right, making sure that these people are working on what they enjoy most, <laughs> as opposed to just like you no know, CVE remediation, um, that that should be critical to us because um, it's a very um, it's it's a very uh, small resource that we have that we are working with, and very precious yeah. resource. Yeah, I'd be curious to see like if there is a stat out there, and I don't I don't think you have any report, but um, like of if people are more unhappy in their job as, as like, you know, developers who are constantly being bombarded by these things and really feel like they can't be creative in the way that they want to be and then end up like, you know, either leaving their job or changing jobs or changing the position or doing something different. <laughs> I mean, last year when we had, we had another survey with dimensional research, we asked, um, you know, we, we were asking a lot about like container hardening. Do you understand that? Do you think it's important? And everybody was saying that it's very challenging. They don't understand. Although there, there was a difference between the managers 
of the organizations, the people who are not at the forefront, <laughs> they thought that everything, you know, they, they understand, they do hardening, <laughs> they do these things, they do like efficient vulnerability remediation. The people who are um, in the war zone, the developers, uh, weren't agreeing with the, the, the management <laughs> perception of how things are going. They were definitely saying that it's very challenging for them and, and it's not fun too. I'm curious if, you know, at the CXO level, like the, the you know, C, the CISO level, CTO, <laughs> if they have an understanding of the importance of all of this, or if it, if it comes into play as much as, you know, on, on what level does this really become of concern? Is it that, because usually as a, as a CISO, I care more about regulations and you know, what is happening in the industry. And then I'm pushing down those requirements to teams and the teams are trying to figure out like, okay, well, what does that translate into tech and, and, and security and things like that? So I'm curious about like that dichotomy between, you know, the understanding of the importance of that, I guess. I mean, at the CTO, at the CISO level, it, you know, I guess we both agree that it needs to be high level. They yeah. cannot know the details, the complexities, the challenges. But the people that we uh, surveyed were pretty senior in their roles, mostly, like we said, you know, te senior technology management, cybersecurity management, IT management, risk management. These pe were the people who uh, had significant decision-making authority. 88% was uh, were making or approving purchase decisions. Um, a lot of them, at the same time, um, characterize themselves as, as people who have a, a high or good level of knowledge of the tools and processes for containerized workloads. So they were technical and they were very security conscious. Nearly all respondents said, 97% said they considered the effectiveness of vulnerability remediation for containerized workloads as critical for their organization. Now, um, you know, it, it needs to be like for, for them, for a CISO, making like bringing this to board level conversations is a regular thing right now they they do talk about these things but i don't think you can fully grasp the challenge without really going through this like we were just talking about the daily disruption <laughs> you need to go through that and also you know you're a creative force for your organization you innovate things you're a developer and 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 that that dichotomy that that dilemma between those two can only be lived. You cannot just speak about it at an executive level, Mike, you would agree, I think, about these things. So are there any key aspects of this that we missed that, that we really want to get across? Because we're getting towards the end here and I wanted to make yeah. sure that we really, um, you know, covered this. And I, I, by the way, I think this report is super interesting. So anybody out there, this is the, the Slim AI, um, wh what's the report called again? The Container Security is, in 2024. Yeah, this is Slim AI Container Report. This is our third annual report. There's a this is again there's a tradition to it, and we are trending things over time. Um, you know, and again, we, we talked a lot about the survey, but we have our own data represented here. So we looked into things like you know how um, like year over year things are changing, right? How many new packages are we seeing? How many of these packages are updated with multiple versions? Um, we looked into the open source containers out there, how often they are being updated. And we noticed like significant um, upgrades, uh, upgrade cycles uh, compared to other years. But we also saw there's a lot more packages. There's significantly more. Like we have remediated 
uh, 3x more CVEs in that set of public containers that we tra- wow. we've been tracking. Um, three times more CVEs are remediated, um, but a lot more CVEs are there right now. So these maintainers of publicly available containers have done 3x to the work that they have done compared to the year before, but these containers have on average uh, more than 300 CVEs, and that number was in in 200s the year before. So things didn't evolve from a high-level numbers perspective, although we can quantify the work that has been done. And I think the conclusion here is, you know, it's it's something that I'll really keep simple. I, I do think that the effort is there, the understanding, the awareness is there. But um, we need a paradigm shift in how we think about approaching the problem. We cannot solve these issues by um, just sending over spreadsheets, working on one at a time, like you know, without a recommender engine. This is the day and age of artificial intelligence, LLMs, right? We talk about automation all the time. The reality couldn't be further from that. Right, the, the, the collaboration is a necessary glue in a lot of human endeavors, definitely in container vulnerability management. And um, for it to be effective, clear, right, uh, scalable, we need centralized platforms where these the, the information is collected properly and the 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 learnings are transferred properly. That's that's some great, you know. Um great knowledge and, and to, to put out there because I, I, I agree. I think this, I think the same thing when I think about this and um, you know uh, I hope that next year when you come back or when next time you do this report that, you know, we see that where things are getting to be a little bit more automated, that there's, they're using technologies that, that, you know um, that the amount of vulnerabilities go down. The containers are always going to go up. I don't see that coming down at all. And I hope that they do because that shows that there's good adoption in that technology. Um, but I do hope that what we see is that the, so somehow, you know, when, when you think about this, you have to look at, okay, there were more vulnerabilities out there. So even though there are still vulnerabilities in some of these containers, the amount of effort that they put into it, there's actually less, um, I don't know how you say it. There's, there's still vulnerabilities, but there's, there's the effort put into it. There, there was a lot of remediation that occurred. That's what, that's probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, we are not going to get people because people are on top of it. We will probably not say, oh, we didn't really realize that there were all these critical vulnerabilities. We might say that we couldn't be able to get ahead of the curve and they were there. We know we knew it and it still happens. Um, so that was all these penetration points. But I think people will be a lot more prepared. It's not going to be a, a surprise at the end of the day. Um, I mean, at Slim, we are creating this collaboration platform. We are focusing a lot on collaboration when it comes to vulnerability remediation. We work with these um, these pairs, software producers and consumers, making sure that, you know, for a single vendor, for example, if you have 200 customers that you ship the exact application to, how do you best communicate? How do you get that, you know, one learning from that CVE that seemed to be critical but doesn't really matter for your application? making sure that that communication is done properly across all of your customers in a scalable way. That's something that we pay a lot of attention to. And the more people um, use these types of platforms like AI, like I do deep learning all the time, the better the data, the um, better these uh, things are tracked, 
then you can the, the next person in line, the next customer in line can learn from this and maybe not even go through the the, the effort, right? I mean, they, they just see all this, uh, like you know, the, the past scores of these vendors for that CVE. This is you know, this doesn't really matter in my organization, and here is the reason why. As opposed to, hey, security admin, take this CVE, go do your own research, spend your next few days as a like you know, on this as opposed to this very creative, fun innovation project. So the, the less people, the less companies spend time on this wasteful process, I think it's going to be much better for not just for technology industry, but as humans, as a civilization, we can do better things with our time. Well, I can't say it better than that. So I think that's that was a great way to end this. And thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. And I'm really interested, in, again, to see how the next report um, you know, turns out. So we'll definitely have you back. And uh, thanks again. Well, we started collecting data for next year already. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely come back with uh, numbers and trend things for us next year. Sounds great. I look forward to it. All right. Same. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Oh, thank you.